Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Cheskel Perak Memvav, Ezekiel chapter 46. And we are dedicating our learning to the brave Chayelet Tzvah Haganali Israel for their safety and safe return, for the safe return of all of the hostages, and for the healing of all the wounded in this war in Gaza. Here we are, chapter 46, our last chapter on Yecheskel's virtual tour of the Beit HaMikdash. And we learn something really interesting. We learn something here about the fact that there is access for all sorts of interesting people to the temple. You know, it was Sefer Yishayahu who says, that all of humanity would come to bow in the temple. There's an idea of bowing in the temple. And in our chapter, Perak Memvav, we see this phenomenon that the gates of the temple by the way, we're talking about the, the outer gate, we said, was closed all year round. But the, the inner gate, it says, I'll read the first line of our parak. Throughout the week, the easterly gate, if even the inner courtyard is closed, that the gate is opened on Shabbat, the, day, the gate is opened on um on Rosh Chodesh, and also on Chagim, and that people would come into the outer courtyard um, and they would be allowed to bow at the gates of the temple. This is some idea of, of access. You know, uh, a wonderful professor called, uh, a friend of mine, called uh, Rabbi Joshua Berman, wrote an article um, some years ago uh, where he spoke about the idea that in ancient cultures, when you were a a vassal king, if you were a subordinate king, one of the uh, conditions of a vassal agreement was that you would go and visit the senior king every single year. And the phrase used is, you were meant to bring the taxes that you had collected, but the phrase used is that you will see the face of the king, right? That you will actually, you know, make some sort of pilgrimage. And, and the phrase used in the Sunashura, I don't know how to pronounce this, is that is he was obligated to, and uh, open quotations, come before his majesty and look upon the face of his majesty, right? And this was a ceremony with, with great honor. Um, we have the same concept in Judaism. We learn in the Torah, Shalosh pamim that all your menfolk three times a year will come and see the face of God. Here's the problem, though, of course, that God does not have a face. Uh, what does it mean to come before God? And what's very clear what it means is, is to come and visit the temple. And this is this idea of making a, a sort of a pilgrimage to the temple. But if you want, here's the chidush, right? Um, I'll quote from Josh Berman's article, Joshua Berman's article. He said, what is most instructive here is that this is enjoined upon all adult males. Whereas in the ancient political treaties, only the subordinate king is called upon to visit the sovereign. And he says, by recasting the encounter between man and God 
as a covenant modeled on political treaties in the surrounding world. What we're basically saying, very simply, is that every individual is like a king. The idea of visiting the temple and going to bow in the temple is an opportunity to have a contact point with God. And I guess for anybody in religion, that's exactly what we want. We want a point to stand before God. We do this when we, you know, see in so many shuls, da mi ata omein. There's a sense of standing, the amidah, a standing prayer, standing before God. And of course, in the in the temple, as the temple, everything is much more tactile. Um, and therefore, what we see in our chapter, which is really interesting, is that on various occasions, for example, here we talk about on Shabbat and Chagim, the Nasi would be allowed to go through the gateway. He's not even allowed into the courtyard where the sacrifices are being performed, but he's allowed to stand at the edge of the, the gateway um, and stand at the portal and watch the priest bringing his sacrifice. The, the, the Amha'arets, the regular people, stand outside the gateway and they bow. However, this also takes place on the Chagim. It talks about different occasions, Moadim, Chagim, um, where the people would come in. And it's clear that this is not meant to be just a, a momentary visit. This is meant to be something a little longer. Because, of course, uh, what happens when a person visits the temple? And here I want to relate to something fascinating, uh, which is mentioned in the Mishnah, and which we can see in archaeology in Jerusalem. When you go to the southern walls of uh, the Temple Mount, even today, you see the remains of steps going into the temple. This is the second temple. And you see two sets of gates, which were called the Sharei Chulda. And it would seem, and so archaeologists tell us, and so the Mishnah tells us, that when people visited the temple in ancient times, there was a one-way system. And that people would come, they wouldn't just like pop in and then go out the same way. In fact, the Mishnah tells us that you're not allowed to make Har Habayit, the Mishnah in Brachot, you're not allowed to make the Temple Mount into a shortcut. Um, you're meant to go there in a very, very deliberate way. And when you read the Mishnah Midot, it tells us that there were anybody who went through Harabait, you went in the right gate, you did a whole circuit, and you came out the left-hand gate. By the way, they even use this for social uh, effect. So, for example, everybody went in a one-way system, and um, some the, the certain people went in the reverse direction. Who were those people? Those were people who were mourners, or people who were excommunicated and the idea was people would say to them why are you going the wrong way and he'd say well i'm a mourner and everybody would say well or in the word of the mishnah whoever dwells in this house will comfort you or if uh, the person was excommunicated uh, he who lived in this house will put into the minds of your friends that they should draw you back close Fascinating that people come for an experience with the divine and they also get an encounter with their people. But whichever way, there's this tradition that the temple was a one-way system and you sort of did a circuit. Where do they get this from? The only source for this would be our chapter. And it's in Pasuk Tet. Again, this lovely language. And when the people came before God, they come to seek God. On the Chagim, whoever goes through the northern gate, to bow down, 
It's a derech shahanagev. He's allowed, he, he has to go out through the southern gate. You go in through the north and you go out through the south. If you go in through the south, if you enter through the south, you will leave through the northern gate. You're not allowed to simply go back through the gate that you entered. Uh, sometimes in English we have this sense of taking something full circle, going on a on a on a on a process rather than the phrase in English walking it back. Walking it back would be to retract. Taking taking something something full circle indicates that we undergo a process. So I would I would argue that that's exactly what's being described here. Um, everything in this chapter is very very transcribed and. The, all of the sacrifices of chapter 46 drive all the commentaries crazy because they're very different from the sacrifices in the Torah. There's a big argument about the sacrifices. On the one hand, the Abarbanel and the Maldim claim that this was part of a very lengthy dedication process of the, of the, of the temple, uh, whereas others think that this is a different set of sacrifices. The Radak says this is a different set of sac sacrifices for the third temple, uh, for the temple of Ezekiel. But whichever way, I don't see that as the, the focus that I've focused on today. What's What I'm trying to say is that certain gates, especially open on Shabbat, on Rosh Chodesh, on Chagim, the people are allowed to enter to bow. The people go in through a different gate, they go out. And what this is indicating is that the temple isn't only a closed capsule for God. The temple has various opportunities. There are sort of a, a window opened on Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh and Chagim for us to have a religious experience, for us to be able to express our religious uh, dedication and devotion in new ways. And if that was true about the model of the Beit HaMikdash, then I think we should also try and look for those opportunities in our lives, even today. That's it for today. Tomorrow, a very exciting chapter about Jerusalem. See you then.